addicts are just people. You know, they're just people. Alcoholics are just people. I don't even really like that label anymore, addict, alcoholic. People are people. We're broken, you know, in some form or fashion. And I can very much use energy drinks. I can use pornography, food, a chase for money or promotion. I can use that just like any drug, trying to make myself feel better from something on the outside. So I really don't care for those labels too much anymore. But uh, people are people, and uh, we need to have compassion for them. Hey there. You're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over, either through their own missteps or through no fault of their own. All walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down. Stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Now, here's your host, Tracy Winchell. This Reboots Extra with Mason Floyd is a continuation of episode R008, in which Mason shares his story of a 20-year chemical addiction, including alcohol, pot, methamphetamines, and opiates. He walks us through the loss of his sons, born prematurely, and his belief that their deaths were God's way of punishing him for his addiction. It is a powerful flip side of his wife's equally powerful story in episode R004. In this R008X episode, Mason answers specific questions that we hope will help you, one, determine if you may be chemically abusing a substance, two, know what to do if someone you love is struggling with chemical addiction, three, talk to kids about addiction, and four, find peace in the midst of a struggle with faith. And finally, Mason offers advice and encouragement to Christians who love someone who doubts God based on his own experiences. Also, we get that both of these episodes with Mason are lengthy. Some really good stuff didn't even make it into the segments. So, We've created a couple of documents that you are free to download, print, and share as often as you wish. Just go to winchellstoryworks.com forward slash recovery resources. We're not asking for an email address or for any information from you. For your convenience, though, we've provided a sign-up form if you do want us to let you know about new episodes. So... Let's dive back into Mason's wisdom about addiction, faith, and loving others. What would you recommend to someone who's in or around, is there a book, uh, a thing, a program, someone who's, who um, relates to your story? If you feel like you might be... Uh, someone who has a problem with drugs or alcohol, I would recommend getting a hold of the Narcotics Anonymous Basic Text and reading the first four chapters. Um, one of them is, is who is an addict? Uh, what is the Narcotic, Narcotic Anonymous Program? Why are we here? And how does it work? If you identify 
with anything in those, especially that who is an addict. If, if, if you pick that up and read it and feel like, oh my gosh, somebody's spying on me, they just wrote this about me, which is what I felt like when I read it, then my next suggestion would be start going to meetings and start talking to people. Um, because I, feel, I, I really do feel like there's no better therapeutic value for an addict than, than one helping another. When I used to go see psychologists or I used to go talk to people about what I was going through, if they hadn't been what I, with, through what I had been through, I didn't put a lot of stock in what they had to say because they didn't understand. When I started going to meetings and hearing people share that didn't know me, that I'd never met in my life, and what they're saying is my life story and all these weird thoughts that I'd had in my head, they had the exact same thoughts and they're putting this out there. And I feel like this meeting somehow has been orchestrated exactly for me because I'm hearing exactly what I need to hear at this time. That's when you kind of know, you know, you're with your people. And, and, and for me, it allowed me to open up and, and really be honest and kind of share myself with these people and ask them, okay, I've heard that you were in your church and you had just stole your mom's wallet out of her purse and so you go in the bathroom to shoot up heroin in your church. How did you get to where you are now? Because you look really happy and I see your kids here with you and they look really happy and you look healthy. How, how did you do that middle part? <laughs> you know, cause, cause that's the part that, you know, that's the part that we need. And, um, when you first walk into a recovery meeting, it's hard to believe it sometimes. It's hard to believe that those people have gone through what you've through what you've gone through. And I know when I used to go into treatment centers and I used to sit up there in the front and these guys are in treatment and we're trying to share NA with them and, and kind of tell them what it's about a little bit. When you first walk in, they look at you like, ah, you know, they dismiss you and they're kind of maybe point and laugh or whatever and the then when you start talking and you see these people, their mouths open a little bit and they're just staring at you and, and you're sharing these things that they've gone through. And, and when you're telling you know, when I was sitting in the chair that you're sitting in, because I've been in this treatment center and, and this, that, and the other, there's just something that clicks, you know? And when you, when you talk to somebody that you know that they've been through what you've been through. Advice or encouragement for a few different situations. Okay. What advice or encouragement do you have for parents of teens or how do you talk to your teens about the danger of addiction? Um, openly and honestly. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have to expose my kids through conversations. They lived through it and they saw it and uh, I'm, I'm blessed enough that my youngest kids are not going to know that guy, but my oldest son, he does. He did, you know, and um, I don't want a pat on the back. Addicts are always looking for congratulations and a pat on the back for doing things they're supposed to be doing anyway. You know, like, oh, I paid my bills. Great, you know. Well, you're supposed to do that. <laughs> I didn't beat my wife. Well, congratulations. You're not supposed to do that. But for us, those little life skills are hard. Um, and I understand that, and I've felt that before. So I feel like, um, you know, God helped me through the very, very difficult times. I've never laid a hand on my kids in anger. I've never laid a hand on my wife. I've tried really hard not to berate them um, or make them feel less than or stupid. I pick on my son a lot. 
uh, my oldest son and my younger kids uh, in a loving way, hopefully, um, because they have a great sense of humor as well. And so we, we do have fun. But the things, you know, when you're talking to your children, that voice can become their inner voice. And so what you say, if you're building up or tearing down, it's very important because what I used to say to myself was what my dad used to say to me at the kitchen table when I was in trouble and it wasn't pleasant. And I'm over that. I want to, I want to stress that I, I have a great relationship with my dad now and I know and I understand he did the absolute best that he could with what he was dealt. Uh, he did the best job that he could and um, I blamed him for a lot of things. I don't do that anymore. I'm, I made my own decisions. But I would suggest that you you talk to your kids. Um, take them around. You know, take them down to uh, the homeless shelter and, and get them involved in the Salvation Army and uh, help them meet some of these people that are struggling. Uh, I know another question you're going to answer ask me, and uh, I'll explain it a little bit more there, but addicts are just people, you know. They're just people. Alcoholics are just people. I don't even really like that label anymore, addict, alcoholic. People are people. We're broken, you know, in some form or fashion. And I can very much use energy drinks. I can use pornography, food, a chase for money or promotion. I can use that just like any drug, trying to make myself feel better from something on the outside. So I really don't care for those labels too much anymore, but... Uh, people are people, and uh, we need to have compassion for them. So that's the next question. How do we? Tr- how do? How does the listener, the the girl who's taken a walk, who is stuck with us through an extra, you know, and she's compelled because someone she loves is an addict advice or encouragement for her? What I always try to tell um, people that have to live with or be around people that are in the middle of it is that person who is suffering they don't want to be doing it. They're going to act at times like they're doing what they want to do, like this is my decision, this is my my goal, just let me live my life, leave me alone, I'm not bothering anybody. But when I was saying those words, and I was living that life, I desperately wanted to live a different life. I didn't want to be controlled by my need to find and use anything that I could find and use to try to make myself feel quote-unquote normal or towards the end just feel like I wasn't going to die because when you get to where you're so saturated with with whatever substance it is when you start getting off that it's a horrible feeling so you know you start out level and you're using to get high quote well when you come down you come down a little bit lower than normal and then when you use you don't get quite as high and then pretty soon all you're trying to do is desperately trying to get back to normal and it's, it's an impossible deal. I've explained at one time that I felt like I was drowning. And every time I used, it would get me to the surface just to get one more breath of air before I was pulled back down. 
I had to have that breath of air every day. I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and it's weird because it's a, you don't even feel like you're going to die. It's worse than that. You feel like I'm going to have to live, you know, and keep feeling this way. And it's just, it's hard to put into words. But I, I try to tell people, please hate the disease, but love the person. Because that person is hurting. You know, they're hurting really bad. And, and I don't think any of them that are stuck in it that bad are at the point where they're deciding, hey, when I wake up today, I can't wait to go rob somebody and then go overdose on something until I throw up and then wake up the next day in sweats and vomiting and, and have to worry about trying to do it all over again. Looking forward to that. I don't think that's the case. So um, there are support groups for people who have... Uh, people that are fighting substance abuse in their in their ha- their homes or in their lives. Uh, Al-Anon is a great one. Celebrate Recovery is a great one. Naranon is a great one. Um, it's the same thing as with addicts. You need to get around somebody who's going through what you're going through and realize that you're not alone because isolation is deadly for the human being, I think. We, we are designed to be in groups and to be with people. And when things happen to us that we don't think has happened to other people, it pulls us further away from wanting to engage with them. You know, before you know it, you're sitting at home all the time and scared to death to go out because you're afraid somebody, I used to think somebody could look into my eyes and like they would know everything. You know, I still have a hard time with eye contact. You probably noticed in this interview, I'm looking at this picture over here because it's, it's, it's ingrained in me and I'm working on it, you know, but um, that feeling of being alone is dangerous for the user and the non-user and um, it's possible to love somebody to death and to enable them because you want to try to ease their pain and suffering and that's not helping so sometimes you need some support to make the tough decisions too you know, like my wife had to make kicking me out of the house and saying, get the hell out of here until you get better. You can't come home because my life and my kids' lives are more important than that. And she learned that stance through Al-Anon, you know, through a support group that said, you don't, you don't have to live your life according to what he's doing. You have your own life and your kids' lives, and those are important. And he may or may not be a part of that, but you have to take care of yourself. And that's what people have to do. And it's a hard thing to do by yourself. So it's really encouraging to get around people that can help you evaluate your situation. So there's no cookie cutter right or wrong answer in any given circumstance for a family member dealing with an addict. You can't fix them. You can't change their mind. I remember my dad asked me one time when I was in my early 20s, he's like, when are you going to be done with this? And I said, I'll be done when I'm done. When I've had enough, I'll be done. When I sat in treatment when I was 19 years old, I wasn't even close to done. I knew I wasn't done. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was just getting started. I thought maybe if I could get some tips and tricks on how to use a little better, you know, not get not get in so much trouble. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I was kind of like a chemist in the daytime trying to wake up. or oh, i got to get something to get me going. Oh, took too much of that. I need to get something to bring me back down. Oh, took too much of that. You know, just trying to find that magic level. But, um you can't make the decision for somebody else that it's time to make a change, but you can definitely make that decision for yourself. 
and like I said earlier in the in the podcast, you know, my life is exceptional. My story isn't exceptional. It doesn't always go as well as as it's gone for me. There are people that I know that have years and years, 10, 20 years of clean time, and the material stuff hasn't come back. You know, the the outer type things, they're still doing the same thing that they were doing, um, but sometimes they have the same behaviors, you know, and they don't change those those fundamental behaviors that kind of keep you stuck. And so um, recovery doesn't always change what's on the outside, but it changes what's on the inside. And so if you're living with an addict or, or one of them is, is close to you and your family and you go to a support group or you go to a meeting, you can change your perspective. You know, perspective matters. If it didn't matter, I would have never taken drugs because that's what, it didn't change what was real. It just changed my perspective on it, you know, and made it okay. So. Wow. One more question. Mm -hmm. And this is to, it's so difficult sometimes, especially in the Bible Belt, to have an honest conversation about whether or not you believe in God. We, it's popular to say we believe, but do we really? And, and you just got real raw in the podcast about wrestling with whether or not you believed in a God with great relief when you realized, oh my goodness, I'm not a Christian. What encouragement or advice do you have for a person who is struggling with belief or lack of belief? What can they do to arrive at some sort of decision one way or another that they can reconcile? Mm, Man, that's hard. I'm pretty new at the faith thing as far as being a follower Uh, you know just about five years is is what I've been doing and a lot of that time has been spent uh, with my efforts on trying to develop a different not the spiritual side but the material side of my life so I haven't really um, I feel a, a great desire right now to do so uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into that. I'm, I'm trying to read the Bible more. I'm listening to some faith-based podcasts, um, that are, that are kind of answering because I still, I'm still the same person. Like I still, I still want to understand everything. Uh, I still want everything to have an explanation and that's a very difficult mindset to reconcile with a faith because by definition, faith, you ain't going to get proof. You know, you just got to believe it. And that bothered me for a long time. The change in me now is I don't, care as much about that I I guess I don't about proof about understanding everything I'm never going to be able to convince or talk somebody into being a Christian Uh, but but I've heard too like if you can convince scare or talk somebody into being whatever they can be convinced scared or talked out of it right it's kind of like the decision to get clean it's got to come from the inside and my understanding is that's not something that man does for another man. That's what God does for us. Like he, I feel like he opened my eyes. He's the one that kind of brought me to my knees and allowed me to at least be open to the possibility that he was real. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I talk to people or if I hear people that are kind of struggling with that, I, I say it's okay to, to be informed and make an informed decision. I don't know how I would answer that as far as you know advice for them. I think what worked for me 
was I had people around me that accepted me either way. I didn't have to be a certain denomination or I didn't have to be a certain amount of the Bible as proof or as truth to be accepted into this world, you know, and that's kind of the church that I'm in right now. They don't talk a lot about uh, miracles and the Old Testament and revelation and these things that for me were hard to grasp. The main focus on this church is there's this man, Jesus, that lived an exemplary life and there are several people that followed him and here's their stories and this can help us live a better life here and we we aren't judged in, or uh, charged in my church to go knocking on doors and trying to save people i think we believe that the holy spirit does that you know we're charged to be there and to be able to answer questions as best we can should they come to us because they see us living in a way that's different than other people. They see us going through hard situations with poise and with faith and with trust and things that are going on and not uh, crumbling to what's going on around us. And I think that's how we stand out as Christians. So you mean it's really okay to struggle with whether or not you believe in God? For me it is. I think if you don't, there might be an issue. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to say that bad, but um, I think it's important to think for yourself. And I think that in this, in this country, we start out going to church as little kids. And during the most imp- impressionistic times of our lives, our formative years, we're hearing these ideas and beliefs. And so it's very easy to just automatically be what your mom and dad are because you've never really had a chance to think about what it is for yourself. And so I think it's more than okay to question what you know. It's more than okay to ask questions from somebody that you trust. Um, And I think that uh, over time, if you just keep, I I don't believe really that there's anybody that that desire to connect with a power greater than themselves goes away. I think that's in us. I think from birth, every person, atheists, whatever, I think it's there. And um, I think it's okay to make an informed decision to go out and try to find what that is for you. What else? Let 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 me go over one more time the thing. I took it out of my testimony this time, but it's still a very important aha moment for me in recovery when I was sitting in the uh, prayer room at our church one Sunday or Saturday morning waiting for my step study group which is you know a group of guys that go through the 12 steps together and we we discuss and answer questions and and really just kind of lean on each other and it was early and I was looking at the walls and there was uh, chalkboard paint up there and uh, the kids write verses or hi Larry or hi Susie whatever they just write stuff on there and down in the bottom right hand corner was this little blurb that was circled and it said what if it's not about you and it just hit me that our story it includes us it involves us but the way that I reconcile what I've gone through in my life with the addiction and losing two children and the bankruptcy and and all of the hard things that we've had to face the only way that I can make that okay is that those were real life tests for me to go through 
because I'm going to have to help somebody down the road that's going through something similar. And we go through things, I feel like, in this world and on this, in this life, and that's what it's for because we need to make ourselves available for the next person that's coming in um, to whatever it is, our life, our, our step study, our group, you know, whatever it is. We're going to meet people um, that are broken and that are, that are looking for hope in situations that feel hopeless. And I think that if we've gone through something like that and we're able to, we're able to pass that on uh, and, and give them that hope that, yeah, uh, I know that what you're going through right now seems like the end of the world and you feel like you're never going to smile again and it's never going to get better, but it will. You know, I heard you, I've heard you say this a couple of times recently, that this is going to pass, you know, and, and things are going to get better. And then things are probably going to get worse again, you know, because uh, that's where we are. We're, we're on a broken world and, uh, you know, we're, we're with humans that are imperfect and um, it's just kind of how things go. They go up and down. But if I can quit looking at everything that happens to me so selfishly and only look at how it affects me and look at it at a bigger, bigger picture point of view at how can I use what's going on to help somebody else, then my story is no longer just about me. It's about every single person that's going to be able to be touched. And I've heard my wife uh, talk about her perspective on, on kind of the same story that I've given you, but from her side. And uh, I know there are tens of thousands of people out there that should hear that story. I know there are. And uh, I think that's, that's why we go through these things. So that's it. Mason's right. His wife Ada's story in Reboot's episode R004 can help tens of thousands of people. And so can his story transform countless lives. So we're going to ask you to do any one or a combination of three plus one things if this story resonates with you. Number one, share this episode R008X or Mason's longer format story where he lays out everything that's happened to him in his life, and that's R008. You can also share Ada's story, R004. Number two, you can go to winchellstoryworks.com forward slash recovery resources, download the free resources guides that we have prepared as supplements to Mason's stories. Read them, print them, share them online in whatever format you can benefit from them or someone you care about can benefit from them. We're not asking for anything in return for these guides, and no one will ever know that you have looked or downloaded them. Okay? The third thing is, if you have questions for Mason, please let us know. Tracy at rebootspodcast.com. That's T R A C Y at reboots with an S podcast.com. We will get you in touch with Mace. So here's the plus one let us know if Mason's story has helped you. We will respect your privacy. It just would be really neat for us to share your hope with Mason as he was just talking about. That's how he finds redemption and all that he has endured. So, how else can we help you? Let us know, okay? 
Thank you, Ada and Mason. And thank you for listening to us. I'm Tracy Winchell. We'll see you next time. We'd love to hear your reboot story privately on our StoryWorks blog or as a guest on an upcoming podcast. And we appreciate your feedback, either in the iTunes store or by way of email. Drop us a line, reboots at winchellstoryworks.com or on our website, winchellstoryworks.com.